0: Well, the long-anticipated World Investigators Conference in Montgomery, Texas, is all over but the shouting. But a big shout-out to the organizers from both the Texas Association of Licensed Investigators and our sponsor, PI Magazine, for a great conference. My voice is going, it seems like. Uh, It was a great place for education and, and to catch up with old friends and make new ones. I just have to say it was very well done, guys. But along the same line today, I welcome Hal Humphreys, a licensed private investigator who has a passion for learning. He's the executive editor of an online PI reg called Pursuit Magazine and the director of education for PI Education, an online education platform for private investigators. He's also a certified fraud examiner and a certified real estate appraiser. He has all kinds of uh, acclamations about him. Good morning, Hal.
2: Good morning, Francie. How are you?
0: I'm great. Well, Hal, um, you took an unusual track to become a, a PI. Can you tell us about that?
2: Oh, boy. Um, well, I, you know, I um, I worked as a due diligence expert for uh, the first 23 years of my career. And I, I'm still, to this day, a certified general real estate appraiser, um, and I've helped... Uh, companies put together uh, fraud detection uh, measures and helped uh, companies that were buying large portfolios of property um, kind of get their head around what they were buying um, and the, the people that were buying it from, uh, from valuation of the actual assets to background investigation on the, the parties involved. Um, and about 10 years ago, I got just sick and tired of uh, what I call real estate-based emergencies.
0: Okay. Um, I, what, does that, what does that mean?
2: I, well, in, in that in that space, uh, a lot of times there are closing deadlines and um, you know, filing deadlines and things that have to be done, and there's money at stake, and people get really, really, really excited, and they want to stay up all night long working on a project, and I just didn't really see the point anymore with um, uh, burning the midnight oil to help what is, at the end of the day, is just a a purchase of a piece of real estate. Um, Mm -hmm. Mm
3: -hmm. It
2: was taking a toll is what I'm saying. So I started looking around, uh, doing research for another place where I could use my skill set. And the only thing that set the bill for me All the way across the board was uh, private investigations. So I I took the test in Tennessee to become a private investigator, took the test to become an agency owner, and hung out my shingle and never looked back at that world of real estate-based emergencies.
0: Interesting. Now, when you say you were were a specialist in due diligence, what what does that actually mean, Um, due diligence? So due diligence
2: is uh, the the normal amount of uh, investigation that any reasonable person would do into a, a situation or a person. So if you're looking at buying, if company A is looking at buying a portfolio of apartment complexes, say, you know, 50 apartment complexes in the southeast United States, they would hire the company that I work for to come in and put together a package for them that would look at the actual real estate, see if it is in fact what they say it is, uh, analyze all of the numbers, see if the expenses and the income are what they say they are, uh, track those back for years, and then if there are if, if company A is acquiring company B, including um, some of the uh, C-suite executives. We would actually go and do research on them to find out if they were who they said they were. Those those kinds of things. So due diligence is basically, in, in that context, would be verifying what someone has said and verifying that they are who they are, that the asset is what it is.
0: Okay. Okay. Good. All right. Now, and and you uh, really found out that private investigation was your niche because you did some work for a friend of yours who was an attorney. <laughs> so I
2: had an attorney friend that, um, had, he was working on a divorce case and the husband in the divorce had filed for bankruptcy and, uh, basically told the wife in the, in the mediation process that he, he had no more money and could not possibly agree to the terms of their proposed settlement. Uh, the lawyer knew that he had had a bunch of assets, you know, not terribly long before that. So... What we ended up doing is, I tracked back. I think it was some something like sixty properties, thirty to sixty properties oh. that this guy had owned across the state of Tennessee, and saw where he had divested himself of those properties over about a three-month time frame. That was a couple of months before he filed for for bankruptcy.
3: Mm-hmm. Um,
2: they all, on paper, looked legitimate. They were two you know, um, entities and people that were theoretically not related to him. Uh, but when I got all of the paper back to the office and started going through it, I noticed that every piece of paper in the entire you know bundle of research we'd done, everything that had been notarized had been notarized by the same notary public. So oh, really? we subpoenaed her and got her into the uh, into the um, into a deposition, and she she tied the whole thing together for us. How he. He was related to everyone that he'd transferred a piece property to in some way or another. Um,
0: and didn't he also have some businesses that nobody knew existed?
2: Yes, yes. And she, quite honestly, that one notary public. Once she was in the deposition and under oath, uh, she gave us everything that we needed to, to piece all that together. Um, it, it was it was pretty fa- fantastic. And. Know, I was hired uh, on that job basically as um, a real estate and research expert. And the attorney said, when we got done, he said, "Man, I'd love to have you testify as a as a, a private investigator. You ought to you ought to look into that." And that's really what started me down the path of of thinking about doing something other than the uh, the the real estate based due diligence work.
0: And I think, if I remember correctly, you started that very day.
2: I did. <laughs> uh, I went back home and started looking, looking up what it would take to get a PI license. And um, you know, as you know, and, and I'm not sure what what the regulations are like in your state, but a lot of states to become a private investigator is is frighteningly uh, not difficult.
0: Well, it is in our state. <laughs> Okay. In uh, California, you have to either be former law enforcement working as an investigator, mm-hmm. or you have to work six thousand hours or three years full time under a uh, qualified manager private investigator in order to even qualify to sit for your exam.
2: That's fantastic. Tennessee has has improved their rules on PIs. Um, they've uh, they've got a testing process. I think they may even have an apprentice process. It's been like I said, it's been about ten years since I. Uh, I, I got that process started and finished, but um, I, I know mm-hmm. that they've done a good job of trying to to make the process a little bit more onerous on the the person wanting to become a private investigator.
0: And was that the right decision for you, Hal?
2: Oh, it's the best decision. Well, aside from marrying my wife, it was the best decision I've ever made. I'm
0: glad you put that as number one. <laughs> right. So, so why why wow. is it? Why was it that the best decision?
2: Well, the projects that I work on now, if there is an emergency, it's an actual emergency. Uh, someone's uh, someone's freedom is in jeopardy. Someone's life is in jeopardy, and it feels like um, it feels like good work to me. Um, also, I just I like the work of a private investigator. I really enjoy the work. Um, I, I, I will wake i wake up really early, so I get up in the morning. Four thirty-five o'clock, and the first thing I do after I'll take a walk, and then I'll go out to my office at the house and um, spend the first couple of hours of the day before anyone else is out doing business, doing research, and I really enjoy it. So that that to me is is I think the most important thing is I like the work. I don't dread getting up in the morning, um, mm. and I you know if if I stay up. Late into the night working on a project just because I really want to, not because someone is screaming about losing half of a basis point on a, a closing date tomorrow.
0: <laughs> okay. All right. Interesting. Yeah. So you. So what I hear you saying is you feel like you're making a contribution.
2: Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I think that this work, and specifically, and I know you're you're a member of the Criminal Defense Investigators Training Council. Is that right?
0: That's correct. Yeah.
2: Okay. So specifically for me, the the criminal defense work I find to be the most gratifying work I've ever done in my life. I I like my clients, I like my defendants, um, and and I I really enjoy the work.
0: That's great. That's great to hear. I,
2: I think it's important work as well.
0: So how did you get involved in Pursuit Magazine and PI Education?
2: So I have always, um, since I graduated university a long, long, long time ago, um, I've always uh, kind of kept a hand in the writing world. I like writing. I like uh, uh, putting words on paper and making stories and providing them out there for people to read. Um, And when I started the piano business, um, after a couple of years, I had some things that I felt like I would wanted to say about the PI business and things that I wanted to share about my experience in the PI business. So I reached out to Pursuit Magazine at the time and wrote a couple of articles for them, Uh, liked that process. And then as I was going through the renewal process for my PI license, you have to get continuing education along the way. And I was always a really big fan of in-person training. And I hear this a lot of times from folks. I, I like going to a classroom and interacting with the teacher, uh, meeting fellow you know students and, and kind of sharing war stories. But mm-hmm. a couple of times, I found myself in a situation where I had to, you know, I was too busy to go take the class. Um, it was going to be too expensive to go stay in a hotel and, and travel to the where the class was going to be held.
3: Mm-hmm. So I
2: looked into uh, online education and found PI education, which is associated with Pursuit Magazine. And I took a couple of classes through there, um, and I actually enjoyed them so much that I took two or three more that (laughs) I didn't have to have for licensing purposes. I just wanted to to get the information. Um, So, I don't know, four years ago, I think this October will be four years that my partner Jim McLeod and I um, have owned this business. We bought the business, um, which included PI education, Pursuit Magazine, and a couple of other education offerings, um, and we immediately went to task to uh, rebrand, um, update, improve, uh, install a learning management system for PI education, and, and basically just make it better. And we have we have since uh, expanded into other um, professions for education. We provide um, online education for real estate appraisers. We provide... Mm. Um, some some education products for healthcare. I live in Nashville, Tennessee, which is kind of one of the healthcare hubs in the country. So we're sure. working with some healthcare companies to do um, online education for them.
0: That's fantastic. I had no idea. Um, that's that's really great. And um, is it difficult to create a class online? <laughs> you know, it <laughs>
2: seems like it would be really easy. Um, and one of the things that we realized when when we bought uh, the, the the PI education business, most of the courses were basically PDF documents that you would have to scroll through and read. We, mm-hmm. we still got a lot of those online because it, that's the way they were presented to us. Um, and they're good, there's good information in those courses. But one of the things I realized is when we bought the business and got the uh, learning management system up and running is that there are so many more ways to present this information than just a raw PDF document. Um, so we we have since been working on, for the past six months, we've been kind of focused on the appraisal vertical because we've, you know, we've, we have just gotten certified in that area. We've gotten our courses approved uh, and, I think nationwide in, in that space. And we've been working with per, with course content uh, developers to put together, you know, um, courses for appraisers. But starting this past month, I, I am putting together a new course on criminal defense investigations. Mm-hmm. Um, and then next week, I have Brian Willingham coming down to Nashville to spend a week with us. And we're going to work on a course with Brian on... Um, open-source intelligence research. Um,
0: great. Fabulous.
2: Yeah. And it's the, the process for us now is, instead of just producing a document, we, we produce a document still. There's going to be a PDF document associated with the course, but we also put together video instruction time, video example time. Um, we put together slide decks that, you know, convey the information in an interactive format so you can kind of click through and make selections. Um, and then at the end of each chapter, there will be a, a brief assessment to make sure that the learner has you know kind of gotten the 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 broad brush concepts of that chapter um, And to be honest with you, the video part is what really excites me days because we're mm-hmm. know, it, it's it's just more entertaining and it's more engaging, and I think the the student stands to learn a lot more that way.
0: So um all of your students take. Their each course independently. It's not... Yes. Yeah, so, okay, because I'm wondering if you've ever tried uh, setting up a classroom online class.
2: We have done some webinars that are like long webinars. Um, Okay. the, The reason we don't do online classrooms as much is the way this business works best is to have it available 24 7. So if if um, Joe Schmo, a private investigator in Pocatello, Idaho, mm-hmm. needs to get his continuing education to maintain his license, uh, and it's, say it's the day before his license is going to expire, he can log in and take that course at midnight if he wants to. He can log in and take it at 5 o'clock in the morning, anytime he wants to, and all of the materials there. Um, all of the, the, the information is presented to him, and he can take the test and you know, get credit for it. We do have um, the – we've got a support line with all of our courses and the ability for the student to send messages straight from the learning management system to the instructor. So we can do a, a more detailed interaction that way if a student wants that. But I'll be honest with you, we've had that function available for – Two and a half years now, and we've never had a student want to ask you a, the instructor a question. Um, I think they they enjoy going in, you know, getting the information, taking the test, getting through it, and you know, getting their license.
0: You know, Hal, I'd like to talk to you offline about this because I have some ideas based on my experience of getting my degree online. Yeah, um, and and so I'd like to to. Um, give you that information, because I think, I think it would be interesting for you to think about. Uh, but we don't want to take time here to do that. Well, um, I will say this, Francie, um, I mean, the, the bottom line
2: is, and we can make this right now kind of an open call, we're looking for industry leaders who have, you know, topic specific expertise that want to teach a course. Um, we're looking for those people actively right now. You know, I reached out, Brian Willingham is a friend of mine, we We've known each other for several years. Um, I consider him to be a thought leader, so I reached out to him and said, "Hey, would you be interested in putting an online course together?" And he said, you know, thinking about that. And we came to terms, and he's coming down to Nashville. But it's it's really fun to get, you know, a subject matter expert here in the studio at the storyboard headquarters and. You put them on camera and let them explain what they do. It's a fun process. Um, oh, interesting! And we're looking, we're looking for more people like that. So yeah, let's definitely talk about that when we get offline.
0: Okay, and so if somebody's interested in doing something like that, what would they do? How would they contact you?
2: The easiest thing would be to contact me via email. My email is hal h a l at storyboard e m p. That's storyboard one word and then e m p echo mic. Papa.com.
0: Okay. And and then you have a website as well?
2: We do. We have uh, we actually have several websites, but uh, PursuitMag.com is pursuit magazine's website. Uh PIEducation.com is the education website. Um and I think the contact on either one of those websites would get directly to me eventually. Um okay. And then I've also got my uh, my private investigations website, which is findinvestigations.com.
0: F-I-N-D. Find Yeah. Yeah. And okay. the Find Very Investigations
2: good. website, there's a contact form on that, and that email comes directly to the Pallet Storyboard email. All
0: right. So folks out there, there's a lot of expertise um out there in the PI world. You guys uh, need to pony up, step up to the plate, and offer your expertise, because uh, I'm sure there's a place for it uh, in Hal's organization, even if it's just uh, giving him feedback. Right, Hal?
2: Sure. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, again, if somebody has an expertise they'd like to share, um, we, we have a, a revenue sharing model where we develop the course and put it online and sell it, and then we give the author of the course um, you know, a, a cut of that, that the uh, proceeds from that, so it's, it ends up being mailbox money for the, for the developer of the course. <laughs> um, mailbox
0: uh, money—that's funny. <laughs> yeah, okay. it's,
2: it's, you know. I, again, I live in Nashville, Tennessee, so songwriters are always talking about it. if somebody <laughs> re-releases an album ten years later and they get a check in the mail, they're like, "Hey, it's mailbox money."
0: <laughs> oh, I've never heard that term before. That's great. <laughs> so, so Hal, I guess the question is. A lot of, you know, a lot of our PIs come from a, from a law enforcement background. Yes. And um, they've been trained as investigators. They've been trained as detectives. Why do these guys need education?
2: Wow. Um You know, that there's so many reasons that these guys and anyone else who is in this profession should maintain their education, that if we could talk for several hours about that, I think, um, specifically the retired police officers, I think, um, so this is anecdotal and it's, it's not, I think, um, indicative of the whole, uh, but I think it is indicative of a small subset of the retired police officers that are private investigators. I'm probably going to get in trouble for saying this, but, (laughs) um, you know, I've, I've met several retired law enforcement investigators, um, that I like, I enjoy them. They're good guys. Um, and they are excellent investigators. I have met some investigators, um, here in my hometown who are retired law enforcement that have said things to me, in person at a professional meeting, along the lines of, "Well, you know, they're all guilty, so I don't know why you'd spend too much time working on the case. Build the limit and move on to the next one." Um, mm-hmm. And I think you know that there's there's a um, there's a prosecutorial mindset. If you're coming out of law enforcement, that can be detrimental to performing. You know, really good, independent. You know, no allegiance to parties, but an allegiance to facts. Investigation for a defense team. Um, my my friend Mark Gillespie out in Texas is former mm-hmm. law enforcement.
3: Mm-hmm. He
2: is passionate about defending his clients. Right, um, and he's he's a fantastic example of you know, how to be a passionate, good criminal defense investigator, because he's passionate about defending his clients. Um, He approaches it from the attitude of, you know, they have a constitutional right to a good defense, number one. Mm -hmm. Number two, constitutionally speaking, in theory, um, they're not a criminal yet. (laughs) They are innocent
0: until proven guilty, right? Is that correct? That's, so that's when, supposed to be the way we think. <laughs> Unfortunately, the general public does not think that way.
2: Right, exactly. So when I get a question, how do, you, how do you sleep at night defending criminals? I'm like, well, they're not a criminal yet. I mean, they haven't been found guilty. So I'm not defending a criminal, number one. And number two, um, if you found yourself in this situation, wouldn't you want someone like me fighting on your behalf?
0: Well, and... And what you just said, it, we have a constitutional right. Every person has a constitutional right to be represented by counsel, to confront their accusers, all the things that are in the Sixth Amendment. And sure. w- I think we forget that as a country. Oh, I think we
2: do. That's definitely. Um, you know, when, when you and I started this conversation about uh, having this, this interview, you know, we, we talked about the criminal defense side of things, which I'm particularly passionate about, but, you know, I'm working on a new course for PI education, and this is the first time this has been said publicly, so your listeners get to hear about it first. Um, okay. We're working on a, a new course for PI education that is going to be um, a criminal defense investigations course. Uh, in the process of putting that course together, I've, you know, I've taken from my own experience I've talked to several investigators that I respect around the country that do this kind of work and gotten you know, input from them. But one of the things we did is my wife, Kim, and I, and Kim Green uh, is, the exec- is the editor at Pursuit Magazine. She's also my wife. Um, we went to Austin, Texas to interview Martin Gillespie. Um, we interviewed a lady by the name of Pam Koloff, who is a writer for Texas Monthly magazine. Uh She writes about criminal justice issues and we entered a a real quick note on Pam Koloff. She's quite possibly one of the best journalists in the country. She's an excellent writer and an excellent researcher and she works for Texas monthly magazine, which is one of the best state magazines in the country, if not Mm -hmm. the best state magazine in the country. But she wrote the story about Michael Morton. Um, and if you're not familiar with Michael Morton, he was, a a middle-class white man living in Williamson County, Texas, whose wife was murdered while he was at work one morning. Okay. When he came home, he's immediately faced with the fact that his wife has been killed, viciously killed. Uh, A week later, he is implicated in the murder by the district attorney and the detective working the case. He ends up getting convicted of murdering his wife he spent 20 some odd years in prison for murdering his wife. During that time frame, his family, his son, he, they obviously, he's been convicted of the crime. Oh my gosh, I can't believe my dad did this. Turns out once they, and the district attorney held a piece of evidence and wouldn't let it be tested for DNA, said it wasn't germane to the case. They got that piece of evidence, finally tested for DNA. And uh, Michael Morton was released on actual e- innocence.
0: Actual um, innocence.
2: Actual innocence. Like, he, he was let out of prison within uh-huh. two or three days of testing the DNA. Um, Pam Koloff wrote that story, which is the reason we wanted to talk to her, because she's, she's passionate about getting stories like that out to the public. Um, and then the, the other part of our project was we talked with uh, Christopher Scott and Johnny Lindsay. Christopher spent 13 years in prison for a murder that he did not commit. He was released on actual innocence. Johnny Lindsay spent 26 years
3: mm-hmm.
2: in prison for a rape that he did not commit. Okay. Was released on actual innocence based on DNA evidence. Um, so we interviewed both of those guys, and in the process of talking to them, we realized, oh my gosh, we've got ourselves a, a short documentary uh, in the process. So. Mm-hmm we ended up talking to um, getting the opportunity to interview uh, Dean Strang and Jerry Buting, the two lawyers that represented Stephen Avery from the Making a Murderer documentary Mm -hmm. series on Netflix, Mm -hmm. Um, and all of this information is going into the introductory chapter of the criminal defense course because I think it paints a really good picture for why this work matters so much.
0: That is really exciting, Hal. We need to take a really quick break, though, and we want to talk about this more. We'll be right back. Stay tuned.
1: The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com. or call 1-800-445-8408. NCISS and Cali are great places to look for a qualified private investigator. Tell them you heard it from Francie on P.I.'s Declassified.
0: new criminal defense program. And, I, and it sounds really exciting. It sounds like you're putting together uh, an interesting program that people uh, will be really excited to access. And actually, I didn't mean to specifically target law enforcement because I, I believe that all private investigators should have some kind of education every year. But, you know, but people out there, private investigators, many of them say, you know, why do I need it? What's the big deal?
2: Yeah, I've heard that a number of times. You know, I do what I do. I don't need to, I don't know why I should have to have education. Here's the thing, you know, an example. A surveillance investigator in, we'll just say, Florida says, I've been doing surveillance for a long time now. I don't need to learn anything new. Why would I need to learn anything new? I do what I Mm -hmm. do, and and that's, Mm -hmm. that's all there is to it. Um, one of the things they decide to do is to put a tracking device on someone's car.
3: Mm-hmm. And
2: they've decided, you know, hey, I'm not putting this car, this thing on the car. I'm renting it to my client. They're putting it on the car. And they kind of work their way through this legal minefield um, to do this, right? Right. Well, let's just say Tennessee. A private investigator in Tennessee does that, which is my own state. They do that business, and they've talked themselves into believing this is totally legal. Um, then somebody, the person driving the car, finds a tracking device, they file charges, the guy says, I didn't put it on there, at least at the person, and he ends up being found guilty of a misdemeanor charge of, mm-hmm. uh, I don't know what, what it's called, it's using a, tra- a GPS tracking device on a car. And, you know, if you don't stay up on you know, current laws and current technology and what's available, you're going to find yourself in trouble, possibly. And I'd like to help as many people as possible avoid that. Um, You know, I totally totally
0: agree with you, Hal. The law, I mean, it's um, just amazing how many laws change. And they change every year. And they change state by state. And they change in Washington, D.C. And if we're not up on them... If if you're not taking education, how do you ever find out about these law changes?
2: Sure, sure. Um, and then the other thing is, you know, technology changes. We've got drones out there now. And, you know, I had an investigator the other day offer to fly a drone to get surveillance video for him. Like, do you have the FAA Unmanned <laughs> Aerial Vehicle Certificate? Right. And he's like, well, I don't need that. Well, yeah, you do for commercial purposes. So... Um, But there's all kinds of new technology. People need to learn how to use that stuff. Um, Taking a course on how to use new technology Mm -hmm. may cost you $130 out of pocket, but it can save you 30 or 40 hours of your time in learning um, Mm curves instead of, you know, actually learning how to use the thing instead of going out and playing with it and, you know, learning on your own can can be a good good thing to do um you know I, i'm just a big fan of education in general i think that you know there i don't have the numbers in front of me but you know i think 17 or 18 states that have licensing require education and allow it to be done online and we're we're certified in all of those states and we get really good feedback from our students they like the education um so you know, I think it's not just a good thing. I think it's imperative for investigators. And like you said, not just law enforcement. Um, Anyone who is a private investigator should avail themselves of the opportunities to learn new stuff. I mean, why wouldn't you?
0: You know, I agree. And and, uh, we had a big sale in California. Anybody in California probably knows about it, where, uh, you know, we did have a a continuing education bill that uh, went through the legislature and, and we had a lot of uh, private investigators that opposed it and it ended up dying because of that. And I, I still think it's a sad thing because, you know, you can you can really be a private investigator. In fact, to the general public who are listening to this show, one of the things you ought to ask a private investigator that you're hiring, whether you're an attorney or a private individual hiring a private investigator, is what kind of continuing ed- education do they have, and what's their p- specific specialty? Because it makes yeah. a difference. I mean, I, I'm pretty sure how you have hundreds of hours of continuing education as, you know, any of the really good and private investigators that I know do. Well, the, the problem
2: I run into is I have, I, I may have close to $100 of continuing education on that annual basis. uh um, mm-hmm. I'm a certified fraud examiner. They require 24 hours or 22 hours of CE on an annual basis, and it has to be taken from them. Um, I have another professional license that requires 20-something hours of continuing education on an uh, every other year basis. Um, I take a lot of education.
3: And I don't begrudge it. I mean,
2: you know, traveling to a conference and sitting through a seminar can be, it can be whatever you want it to be. It can be terribly boresome and, and, and mind-numbingly, you know, whatever, or it can be uh-huh. really fun. Um, you get to meet your your peers. You get to spend time with you get know, the people that do the same work you do. You get to talk about cases. You get to talk about you know what's going on in the industry. You get to bitch and moan about, you know, people you don't <laughs> like and the regulations you don't like. Um, right. you know, there's, there's always a lot of that that goes on at, at PI conferences and, quite honestly, any other kind of industry conference. Um, mm-hmm. But I think it's important to do those things. Uh, and, and as far as online education goes, the thing I like about online education is I can, I can study the material at my own pace, Mm-hmm. I can go back and review stuff that I didn't quite understand the first time. I can go back to that material time and time again over the course of a year or two years or three years if I want to refresh my memory on something. Um, that's the thing I like about the online uh part of education. And Going do your the-
0: classes in at the end of the class do they have to take an exam to pass?
2: They do. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's a requirement from the states that, that, that allow online education. They have to have a test to make sure they've actually been through the class um, to submit for grading that then lets them get a certificate to turn into their state.
0: Okay. All right. That sounds great. Well, and, and you know, um, back to law enforcement, I, I the thing that, I am always concerned about law enforcement is the folks that work in law enforcement operate by different rules than the private sector. Typically, there's so many things that are different that if you, Come out of law enforcement, and you get your license, which you can do. You know, and at least in California, you don't need to have any other training if you've been in law enforcement and done investigations. So you can apply and take your test, and you can become a PI. You can hang out your shingle and not do another thing. But what happens is many of the concepts and rules are different. For example, in California, a law law enforcement can tape record surreptitiously tape record anybody and everybody. California happens to be a two-party recording state, so you cannot record another individual if you're in the private sector without permission of that individual. So it's hugely different in that respect. And there are many things like that. So, you know, those are the kinds of things to be aware of. and, And where do you get that unless you have some kind of continuing education?
2: Right, right. And, you know, let's just continue to pick on the LEO ground.
0: Well, not meaning to. I,
2: I like my law enforcement buddies, and I like my all of my friends that are PIs that are former law enforcement, I have found to be exemplary detectives. Um, Absolutely. Kelly Riddle runs Kelmar Global He's former Um, law enforcement. He's a great guy. He's a good investigator. He's got a lot of knowledge to share. Um, By the way, Kelly is working with PI Education now to deliver online education for some of his courses, and we're excited about that.
3: Good. Um, That's great. But the
2: law enforcement crowd, they're they're really good at the procedure of doing an investigation. I get that. Some of the things they tend not to be as good at, um, you know, Mm -hmm. report writing. Mm -hmm. Uh, if I read another report that says the individual approached the domicile from the West, (laughs) I'm going to scream
0: after he got out of his vehicle,
2: (laughs) after he exited the vehicle, you (laughs) know, it's like (laughs) the dude got out of the car and walked to the house. Um, plain English is, is the way to go. We're working on right now and I'll, I'll just bounce this off of you and see what you have to say. Um, We have a course right now that we're basically finished with producing on um, effective communications for private investigators. Uh, We're having a little inner office argument. Uh, One of our staff members says, nobody's going to buy this course. It's not going to be interesting. And furthermore, I don't think I can get the states to approve it for continuing education. Another person in our office is saying, I think everybody's going to buy this course because it's really useful information, number one. And number two... Why would the states not approve it for education? Um, we've answered the, the the approval part. I think they will because we talk about report writing for investigators, we talk about letter writing for investigators. We talk about just simple you know phone and radio communications, how to be clear and concise. Um, mm-hmm. but we also talk a great deal about just basic grammar and the English language and how to use active verbs instead of passive verbs. Um, mm-hmm. You know, in in police report writing, I see a lot of times uh, a sentence like this. The door was opened. Well, my question is, who opened the door?
3: Mm -hmm.
2: You know, somebody had to open the door. So why not say Detective Stevens opened the door and then walked into the room instead of saying the door was opened and the detective individual proceeded into the domicile? Um, Mm -hmm. I think... Mm -hmm. I think a communications course like that would be useful. What do you
3: think?
0: I think it would be, too, because that is, I mean, there's, a—I always say, and I'm sure other people have said this, too, it's fairly uh, reasonable to find an an investigator that does a good investigative job, and it's fairly Mm -hmm. easy to find somebody that can write well. It's really hard to find somebody that can do both. Yeah. Exactly. Which is, it's fascinating to me. My, my favorite uh, police report statement is, I didn't interview the victim due to his death.
2: <laughs> nice. Nice.
0: <laughs> so, yeah, uh, yeah I, think it's, I think people would buy it. The people, the people that are interested in doing a good job and improving their skills will buy the course. I think you're right. If they're um, so, if they're yeah, working for the, somebody that's telling them they need report writing skills, they'll buy the course.
2: Right. And that's one of the things that I think, you know, the former law enforcement crew, as well as a lot of the non-law enforcement private investigators, Absolutely. could benefit from that. Um, specifically for law enforcement, I think there are a couple of areas where uh, education would be very helpful. First off is if you've worked for a company or an institution for 20 25 years, 30 years, whatever, and you retire and you have a pension from that entity, um, it'd be real easy to hang up your shingle as a PI and kind of half-ass the business part because you've got a fallback of the pension and this is just kind of extra money. Mm
3: -hmm.
2: But if you approached it from the attitude of, I'm going to run this like a business, and you did some education on basic how to run a business, um, I think it would be Hugely helpful for for those guys coming out of either the corporate or the uh, institutional investigative roles to you know get some insight on how to actually run a business. Um, another area that I think they, a lot of those guys could could benefit from is just basic marketing. Um, right, I'm telling you, I, I see things marketing wise that shock me from private investigators, and this isn't really? just law enforcement. This is this is you know, private investigators in general. Um, their websites look like they were designed in 1989. They're,
3: yeah.
2: they've, they've got, they'll have like a flag flopping, GIF on the screen or an eagle screaming GIF on the screen. Just visually, the websites are not that good. And then the the actual content of the website. Misspellings, bad grammar—you know, different stuff like that—and just a little bit of effort on that kind of stuff makes a huge difference. Um, mm-hmm. So, I think marketing is, is is an area where a lot of those the private investigators could could benefit from taking some taking some basic courses on you know. Well, how you're to talking about business.
0: yeah, you're talking about professionalism. That's really yeah, what you're talking professionalism.
2: about. Professionalism, exactly, exactly. Yeah. Um, I have, you know, for the past three years, I've been doing kind of the, the, the speaking circuit with some of the PI conferences. Um, I'm taking a little bit of time off just because I haven't been here in Nashville enough. But, um, you know, every time I get in front of a group of investigators, I take a five-minute break to go over just basic professionalism, like dress like a professional. Um, if I'm going to a client's office, I'm not going to go there and cut off jeans and a t-shirt.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: I'm going to wear a sports coat. I may wear blue jeans, but I'm going to wear a sports coat, and I'm going to look like a professional. Um, I attended uh, an Association of Professional Investigators meeting one time that was hosted in a Shoney's restaurant, and the president of the organization was wearing cut-off um, uh, jogging pants and a ragged T-shirt that did not even begin to hide his gut. Hmm. And this is the president of the professional organization dressed like yeah. that. And I'm like, that's not, that's not, I don't feel like I'm with professionals right now.
0: Right, right. You know what I'm no, saying? No, it's, a, it's very true. It's very true. And all of that, And it, all of that
2: is marketing. You know what I'm saying? The way you yeah. present yourself to the public, um, the, what your business card looks like, is it nice and clean and you know, well laid out or is it junk and have too much information on it? You know, all that stuff is marketing at the end of the day. It's how you sell your service to people.
0: And do you, and you have a class like that?
2: I don't know if PI education has, I, I know we have a marketing service that, that we work with, um, PIMarketing.com. Uh, Ruben Roel runs that business and he is part of the, the Pursuit Institute and PI education crew. Um, and I think we may have some marketing courses, but I'm
0: not sure. Yeah, well, and, Kelly. you know, uh, Jimmy Mess <clears throat> is a PI Magazine. Of course, I have to mention him because he's my sponsor. Uh, but yeah. seriously, Jimmy uh, provides uh, marketing, uh, usually an all-day marketing seminar uh, for people yeah. that are interested. If uh, they want to get involved in that, they can contact pi PIMagazine.com. Uh, I know that Jimmy has some offerings like that as well. He
2: does, and his, his live um, marketing courses... Are interesting, he's got a lot of information, uh, you know, he does a good job uh, speaking in front of a crowd. Um, and I think that's, you know, if you if you find yourself at a PI um, convention like a World Investigators Conference and Jimmy is presenting that course, it, it would behoove you to sit through it and see what he has to
0: um, say. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Okay, so Hal, what would you I'm a brand new PI. Well, first of all, let's just talk about, you, you can get a license in PI, but they, those licenses are really entry-level type licenses. Even though you're getting licensed, you're an entry-level person. So, I'm a brand new PI, just got my license. What courses would you tell me to take with PI education?
2: Well, we have a course called, um, I think the website is called BAPI. B-A-P-I private eye, be a private eye, P-R-I, private E-Y-E, be a private eye, um, that we own, Um, it is a lot of information. We don't market it very heavily right now, but it's a lot of information, and it has, it covers everything from skip tracing to surveillance to... I think there's even a chapter in there on bail bonds um, but for and it's a good it's a good course to buy and read through is a good reference manual um, but I would say good. the first thing I would say to a new private investigator trying to get into the business our serious surveillance course is a really good course and it's available in every state that we're we're certified in. Um, it's interactive it's got some you know some fantastic information on how to how to conduct a surveillance and do it right within the law and um, hopefully be successful.
0: So you just said something. You said it's available in every uh, state you're certified in. So uh-huh. if I'm in California and you're not certified in California, then I can't take the course?
2: Oh, you can definitely take the course. It just won't count towards... Okay, it won't count towards okay. well, count, count toward continuing education. Yeah, you can, you can definitely take the course. It just these our courses are qualified in the 17, 17 of the eighteen states I think that that require c e and allow it to be done online um, Okay. so if you take a course from us, you can get a continuing education certificate uh, if you're in a state that doesn't require c e that certificate can you know go into a file you know <laughs> in your desk or you don't even have to print it but uh, well, there's good information know, in the
3: courses
0: even even the states that don't require it uh, CE, some of the associations you belong to do. So yeah. it, it still benefits you most of the time.
2: Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, we've, got, we've got a really good course um, that we've had online for a couple of years now. I think the author's name is Carrie Kirsty. Carrie is oh, yes, an identity theft expert. She's, yep. she's fantastic. she got a course on conducting identity theft investigations. Um, it's a really good introduction to that world for new private investigators and, it, you know, if, if you've got an, uh, someone like me that's an older dude that doesn't necessarily get down with all the technology, um, it's a good way to to get your head around, you know, how that stuff works. Um, and I'm, I'm being kind of silly in, in the technology thing that I just said, but you know, there are a lot of investigators that are older that, that you know, they don't know how to do identity theft oh, investigations.
0: you're right. I mean, it's—I mean, it changes every day. You can't, yeah. It can hardly keep up with it, even if you yeah. uh, are, you, you do know about it. It's crazy. Yeah, and then
2: we've got another course that I think would be really good for an, a, a, an intro person into the business called Grasping at Heels Deception Detection 101 um, or How to Spot a Liar. That course is one of my favorites. Um, it's It debunks a lot of myths about um, deception detection, and I'm just Mm going to tell you, I've been on a tear lately with uh, body language experts and facial recognition, not recognition, but facial micro-expression experts Mm -hmm. who are out there selling basically snake oil. Um, This course goes through and says, hey, this is real information for this purpose, but People that are telling you you can learn how to spot a lie in 30 minutes of studying this course,
0: mm-hmm.
2: they're leading you down a rosy path.
0: Okay. And what are your parameters to determine um, whether that's a, a rosy path or not?
2: Well, I, 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 my advice to any investigator who wants to know the facts uh, is to go investigate the facts know as many facts as you possibly can. And the only way I'm aware of that you can 100% be sure that someone is telling you something that is contrary to fact or you might even call it lie, um, maybe not, but if somebody's telling you something contrary to fact is to know the facts. The only way you can tell someone is telling you something contrary to the facts is to know the facts. Um, Mm -hmm. Now, if someone tells you something contrary to the fact, they may not be lying. They might remember the thing differently. They might have, you know, their, their memory may have changed over the years. Um, I give an example a lot of times of uh, I'm, I'm with a lawyer and a defendant. We're sitting in his backyard and a snake falls down between us, among us.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: The three of us jump up like little boys and run in the house screaming. And the defendant's mom says, what happened? We said a snake fell down. She says, what kind of snake? And I said, I don't know, but it was big and it was green. And the lawyer says, no, no, it wasn't green, it was black. And Mm -hmm. the defendant says, it wasn't black, it was tan. Mm -hmm. The fact is, a snake fell down. Right. We all saw a different color.
0: So, are you saying that that, uh, behavioral analysis and body language isn't important?
2: Oh, no, no. I think it's highly important and highly useful. But I don't think it is a... um, if it worked as a deception detection um, proof, if you, could, if you could watch someone's body language and know for certain that they were lying to you, then mm-hmm. we wouldn't have poker as a sport.
0: Okay. <laughs> very. Good. You know what I'm saying? You know. <laughs> <clears throat> <laughs> That's great. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but I,
2: I do That's... believe those things are very important to learn about, and they, they can indicate... Like if somebody's body language shows that they're uncomfortable, that's probably a topic you need to explore more with them. You know what I'm saying? Yes, yes. It doesn't absolutely. necessarily mean they're telling you a lie.
0: Right, absolutely. I, t- I totally agree with you. Hal, <laughs> <laughs> you know, thanks for coming on the show today. This has been, I think, very valuable. I love talking to you about education, and uh, I will give you a call and uh, give you a couple of uh, things that I've experienced through my own uh, online education that... Okay. You know, you can either use or you can ignore. Actually, <laughs> that sounds great. All right. So, uh, but thanks for sharing your expertise and your observations, folks. If you're interested in advertising on PIs Classified, you can contact my wonderful executive producer, Sondra Rogers, at sand dot S A N D R A dot Rogers at voiceamerica.com. dot com. So tune in again next week as we declassify more real stories from real investigation investigators like Hal Humphreys. It's PIs Declassified. I'm Francie Kaler. Thanks so much for listening.
1: The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. Voiceamerica.com.